Make a sanity check. It's the No Class Podcast. With your hosts, Eddie. And Matt. And that was it. That's all we had for the show Those today, guys. lovable reprobates. The guys you love to hate and hate to love. There you go. I hate myself. Okay. All right. So, what should we talk about first, sir? With the same thing we always talk about first, Pinky. <laughs> It's the longest of cons. Um, So, those of you that are coming, all three, definitely you should check out Chris Clark's games. Uh, And we have more people adding games. It's like I saw one guy, I'm like, wow, he didn't have one player. And I went, oh, wait, he just loaded his game like two days ago. Mr. Douglas. The guy that wears the the suspenders. Dwayne? Dwayne, that's what I said. Yeah. We were just the talking Lincoln about Douglas debate. Just talking about my de- my onset of dementia. So there you go. Edit uh, that out. Yes, please do. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so the long con. Yeah. It's the No Class Podcast <laughs> with your hosts Eddie and Matt. Anyway, yeah. Okay. Um, Three, two, one. <laughs> <laughs> long con. Yes. You know, those who are coming. We're excited. Thank you so much. Um, people are still adding games. Um, but yeah, you know, things are rocking ahead, moving forward, you know, with the long con. So it's going to happen. Yeah, it's full speed ahead. It's almost here. Yeah. By the time you good listeners hear this, we'll have like two weeks left. Yeah. So if even. Fantastic swag this year. Absolutely. Thanks to the low numbers. Yeah. I mean, so it's really like we've got great swag. We've got special guests. And, you know, but, oh, well. Probably the, the best time. swag and special guests we'll ever have. Yeah, when, when we'll have the least people we'll ever have. You but know. it's going to be a good time. Yeah, no, we're, I'm going to have a good time. I think we'll have a better time because it won't be as hectic for us. Yeah, normally, I mean, two guys running a con and running games and, you know, doing everything. We're not lucky enough to have a Gary Oliver. Yeah. You know? Well, speaking of those guys, one of those guys told me no one is more miserable at your con than you. Which we have a good time with it, but I yeah. can appreciate that sentiment. Yeah, yeah. There's that's why when people are like, it's like years ago, people were like, man, I'm so jealous. You working in games where I worked in one. I'm like, it's really not all that glamorous. You're, you. I'm glad that you think this is glamorous, but no, nah, it's really not. It's not nearly as wild and fun and cool as you might think. I mean, yeah, we're probably a little bit masochist, but still, no. I mean, it's like. We wouldn't do this if it was just a total, like, oh, this sucks, you know. But people are like, for the money, we don't make any money. Well, for all the oodles of, uh, you know, uh, you know, whatever, you know, no. You know, I mean, I will say, I will say this. Uh, we're a little vaguely on the very edge of the map kind of thing, enough that. Oh, yeah. When, like, we went to NTRPG, you know, the year before last or last year, whatever. I mean, there were people that were like, you're the long con guys. And I'm like, I'm looking behind me like, huh? You know what I mean? So that was kind of neat. We're kind of where we know somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody. Yeah. Like we're on the periphery, but still, it's kind of neat, you know. The 999th circle. Yeah. That's us. Yeah. But anyway, but that, that's about it as far as like, you know, bragging rights for having your teeny tiny East Texas con, but we have fun. We're proud of it. And like we said, we got into this for one reason. We love gaming and, and games and we want to share that, that joy and whatever. 
and it's been successful and that's yeah. all the encouragement that we need i think yeah really and like we said it, there's people that we love gaming with at ntrpg and we're like man wouldn't it be cool if we could game with them twice a year and you know then they proceed not to come to the con but no i'm kidding some of them do but anyway so with the long con plug out of the way yeah that means it's pop culture time oh goodness one of the most famous segments that we have yeah or infamous if nothing do you have any books, comic books, etc., to talk about this time? Nope. I think that's probably going to be your wheelhouse. Wow. Balowick. I got nothing. Wow, really? Matt surprised me a little bit on this, and Oops. we're recording a couple of days early. Well, yeah. But, no, I mean, I really can't. Nothing's really been a, nothing new interesting has come down the pike that I can think of. There's a new issue of Immortal Hulk. It's all hitting the fan right now. There's not that many issues of it left, so if you haven't bought into the hype yet, there's still time for you. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so for me... For books uh, and oh, comic books. Nothing. That's what I thought. Nothing. Nada. TV? TV? Absolutely. So on my recent kick of wanting to... What time? You know, uh, uh, check out a lot of the stuff I either missed or haven't seen in a long time. Just some of those real B, C, D movies. And definitely right now my... Uh, you know, I, I love anything post-apocalyptic. So I watched Dune Warriors. Um, it came out, I think it's 1990. It's like end of the 80s, early 90s. Um, it's after the end of the world. Earth is a thirsty planet <laughs> ruled by vicious warlords. One woman is brave enough to fight back. Is she thirsty? She's very thirsty. You know, actually, her people have good potable water, but you know, she bands together five warriors to save her town and their precious, precious water. So starring... David Carradine, always the seal of, of this. B-movies. B-movies. Um, and the villain was Luke Askew. What a name. And you, you have no idea what I'm talking about, but if you, if you uh, IMDb him or whatever, Google him, you'll go, oh, yeah, he was in like a million westerns as the bad guy mm -hmm. or, you know, Ranch Hand Number 2 or something. I mean, he's got, yeah. But so what I liked was they had motorcycle jousting. I mean, why not in the post-apocalypse? And then, of course, they had the obligatory late 80s, early 90s, you know, boobs and obligatory sex scene or whatever, you know. Good. Yeah. So, I mean, it was it was a nice little little throwback to watch that. And you know what? I enjoyed it. It's one of those ones that's so bad, it's it's good. I, I'll actually sign off on, you know, recommending it. So, your five-star review, you will give it? Three. Wow. <laughs> But then again, I'm the guy that never gives anything a five because I hate everything. How about a one? Um, oh, I'll give a one. Sure. All right. Then. But yeah, I guess that's funny. I'm not. I'm. I'm that guy who's like not apt to give a five, but probably not very apt to give a one either. There you go. You get a one or five out of me. You're either yeah. You're really working it one way or the other. And then of course you know the other one I saw was Hawk the Slayer, and it's like I should probably be ashamed of myself to be this far into life and in the hobby and in this culture and having never seen it because for a lot of people. It seems like, like oh, if you're an old school gamer and you've never seen Hawk the Slayer, for shame. I mean, and so it's a 1980, yeah, so it's old, man. It's uh, old, man. Yeah, British sword and sorcery adventure film. Jack Pounce played Voltan the Dark One. He's pretty much the only name I recognize. So I did a little bunch of, of research on it. It was inspired by Akira Kurosawa's Yojimbo, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, Yojimbo, whatever, and Sergio Leone's Fistful of Dollars. Mm -hmm. 
Um, the result was an English version of the story set in the Dark Ages. Originally, there was to be no magic, etc. But over the course of writing it, yeah, I mean, you know, elves, dwarves, the 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 mind stone that makes his sword extra cool. Um, so from Wikipedia, in 2015, a sequel titled Hawk the Hunter was reported to be in development with a budget of $5 million. And there was an unsuccessful attempt to raise money via Kickstarter uh, crowdfunding. In addition to the sequel, British video game company Rebellion Developments was planning to release a game and comic book, and director Terry Marcel has, plan, has plans supposedly for a TV series called Hawk the Destroyer. So I don't know that that's... Yeah, we'll see. I don't think any of that's going to come to fruition, which is sad because, you know... But what's wild was back then you didn't have stuff like this. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, now, eh, it, you know, yeah. And so, um, <laughs> and so like, as far as, I, I'm just thinking about the editing. Oh yeah. Ha ha. <laughs> uh, Leonard Lakofka of Lindor Isles fame, the L series of modules. Yeah. yeah. He passed on the 23rd, which is a shame. He's actually, um, uh, uh, if Leamon's hut, tiny hut, ever saved your life, you owe this guy. Yeah, because he is Leamon the wizard, and those that series of spells you can attribute to uh, Lynn Lakofka. Um, and I'll just say, and I think you know this, but I love L One, The Secret of Bone Hill, not least of all for the awesome artwork on the cover. Yeah, it's very titillating. Yeah, it's just a, it's really great adventure, you know. So there's there's that. Rest in peace, uh, Mr. Lakofka. And then, for those who, the three of you haven't heard about this, if you're in the Nerdosphere, there's a Dragonlance lawsuit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for $10 million. Uh, so, Tracy Hickman and Margaret Weiss are suing Watsy over the termination of a contract where they were going to do another trilogy and they already had the first one written. And then it's like, nope, we're not going forward with it. So, and no, you can't take it anywhere else. So, wah, yeah. Wah. yeah, so that really sucks. And then this is something I read this morning. It's a really sad story. We lost Stan Lee. What was it, 2018? Has it been two years now? Man, it's hard to believe. But anyway, but Stan Lee, there's some pending lawsuits over some elder abuse. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I'm sure that that's might be common knowledge for some people. But anyway, we'll see how that goes. But that's just really sad. You know, someone who, you know, a lot of people enjoyed and was a hero and being you know taken advantage of. So that's... You know, right. Well, yeah, that's yeah. the TV section of the uh, Pop yeah. Culture Minute. How about movies? Do you see any movies? Nope, no movies. You know what movie I watched? What movie? Rock and Rule. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I now, how many stars are you giving that from last time? <laughs> I haven't seen that since 1984 or 5, probably. It's really? Been, yeah. You I didn't recently watch it again? No, no, no. I didn't. I wasn't even sure where you could stream it or if you could YouTube. find it. Really? Yep. Okay, was it? It's real grainy and crappy. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. Because I've tried to watch stuff on YouTube a lot of times, and it's grainy and crappy. Like, what was I trying to watch? Oh, the, the what's the movie where they shoot the swords, the sword, sword and the sorcerer or something? That sounds right. Yeah, like that was so grainy and crappy. But anyway, I went off on a tangent. Oh yeah. So how many stars for Rock and Rule from your '80s mindset? Well, from my '80s child's mindset. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'd probably give it like four stars or something, three or four. Yeah, I would have to give it a one or a two. It was one of the worst things I've ever seen. Yeah, and, and that's, I hear you. I mean, definitely with what we've been exposed to and have available now, looking at that through that lens and at this age in your life, sure. There's ones that you can't go back and watch or whatever. Yeah. If you missed it as a kid, 
Yeah. I mean, that, like the, the eyes of a 12, 13 year old with not all the kind of cool cartoons that have more adult themes or whatever that you, that you didn't have then. I mean, I was like, Oh wow. You know, but no, I mean the story's not great by any means, you know? No, it's yeah. got pretty good animation. It's got a pretty good soundtrack. It's got yeah. uh, what Blondie and Cheap Trick. Yeah. So I mean, there were some cool bands that had music involved. But just ugh, such oh, a no. terrible, terrible story. Oh, the story's just ugh. yeah, terrible. No, I, I'm not. I don't dispute that at all. Like I, said, I was looking through that lens of, you know, but but Mock was a different kind of villain, and we were talking about different types of villains of different genres or styles or what their driving force was. Anyway, I mean, I'm not saying Mock's a great villain, but insofar as though his modus operandi was kind of different, you know, I mean, he wanted to summon a demon as revenge on his fans that had turned their backs on him or whatever or something. Well, his sales were dropping, but he was still big king poop. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Fantastic. Go out of your way to miss it. It won't be hard. (laughs) I mean, yeah. It's all good. Now, do you remember this little movie called Hardcore, Hardcore Henry? doesn't ring any bells. It, it's sort of claimed to fame as that it's a first-person movie. Oh. So you're watching the whole movie through the eyes of the hero. Oh, okay. So it's all from that uh, perspective. Yeah. So it's kind of like all your first-person shooter video games mm-hmm. where it's like, You'll see the hands up in front of you, or when he's got the gun up, it's in front of your face like it would be in a video game. Yeah. As a concept, that was like, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I think this movie is maybe 10 years old now or something. Mm-hmm. Did you ever watch the Doom movie? Doom movie? Yeah. Is that the one from the, the video Rock? game? Yeah. Uh, ironically enough, like I said, when I'm doing patient treatments in their rooms, I'm stuck watching whatever they're watching. So your patients are watching Doom? Well, normally they're watching CNN or Fox, and I'm wanting to just slip my own throat or something but yeah there's the occasional one that'll have the sci-fi channel and i recently got to see the second half of that i kind of enjoyed it did you get to see the part where it goes into first person shooter mode no so it's got a little clip of that too it's maybe a minute two minutes long they didn't go excessive with it Mm -hmm. but if you've seen that movie you'll kind of get the idea of what i'm talking about or if you play those first person shooter games yeah if you're the kind of person that gets motion sickness this movie is not for you. Wow. Yeah. yeah. A lot of it is like shaky cam. About 30 minutes into the movie, I was like, this is one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. Wow. About an hour in, I was like, this is one of the best movies I've ever seen in my life. Wow. It's a real roller coaster ride of huh. just like, God, this sucks. And then you start getting into it and you're like, this is pretty good. It's got some twists and turns. Huh. I really like the character Jimmy mm-hmm. in the thing. I would put him as an NPC, but I don't want to spoil anything for you guys. Yeah. Uh, it has a horrible Rotten Tomatoes review. Uh-huh. So, I mean, this is one where you got to go in with low expectations, mm-hmm. which sometimes that saves a movie Th- that for you. That movies for me that I've had low expectations and been like, yeah, that kind of impressed me. So I had low expectations, mm-hmm. and then the movie reinforced those expectations where I was like, yeah, this isn't very good. But luckily you're a completist. But I'm the guy that's got to power through it. If I just shut it off at 30 minutes, I'd have been like, meh. You've never known. Hmm. But, yeah. I thought it was really pretty good. Will there ever be another one? No. No, of course not. Like I said, people, if you have motion sickness or this, that, and the other, it's not for you if you can't handle that shaky cam. Mm-hmm. Oh, one other interesting thing about this is they had done a Kickstarter or Indiegogo or something like that to help mm-hmm. fund the movie. Yeah. And those people have never, ever received their backer benefits. Oh, wow. So it's another one of those things. 
Uh, that's yeah that put some real stank on it which got me to think about my old favorite the lamentations oh good lord which now that's been eight nine years where that ended and nobody has seen anything of it Mm -hmm. and there hasn't been an update since in the early part of the year i don't think they've had a update in the time of the covid so i mean come on well, I know that it, you've you've soured on old uh, Raggy or whatever. And but, in general... But was it because of this or was it because of other stuff? Or maybe a little column A, a little column B? Yeah, it was two things for that. Mm-hmm. One was, we don't fulfill your promises. Yeah. If you take my money and don't give me anything. Mm-hmm. And then second, he got just shocking for shock value. Yeah. But I was going to say that has kind of soured me a bit on Kickstarters and Indiegogos mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And it's mm-hmm. just kind of kickstarter fatigue and yeah. distrust yeah that's i've just i had gotten bad about it. i had a problem with kickstarter i really think i had a problem but i just i went cold turkey and i'm really not kicking anything anymore hardly like i did you know ben's ultimate you know uh dinosaur fighting the new update dark trails yeah, and dark Tra- well dark trails been yeah, I mean, but I'm being oh. I'm being very selective about what I kick. You know, very, and it's going to be someone like that. I know and trust David Beatty. I know and trust Ben Burns. He's a little shifty, but I trust Ben Burns. You know. Yeah, if you trust Ben Burns, you got issues. Yeah, exactly. But I expect yeah. that I'll get my stuff. <laughs> we know where to find him. Anyway. At the long con. con. Wow. What are the odds? So anyway, there's a couple of uh, movie recommendations and recommendants. Okay. How about some video games? I know you've been playing just a ton of video games lately. Uh, I've not much for honor, you know, lately because I haven't played it in forever. Right, and it was that was something because that was a thing like every day. You know, I love me some. It was a great way to unwind after work, but now it's when I have the time. I'm playing still Dying Light, you know, and so it's funny. One time we went into the stuffed turtle or whatever, mm-hmm. and it was like. I, I wasn't ready for it or whatever, and it was kind of brutal or tough, but I, mean, I, I keep going in there because you can get a bunch of those relief kits kits, and turn them in and get a crap ton of uh, survivor points. So I'm just, but it's kind of silly, but I'm doing that one because it's really not that hard and it's pretty quick and easy. I just do that. I've done it over and over a couple of times, just kind of grinding, so to speak, to try to get my survival rank up. Anyway, because that's lagging behind my agility and fighting or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got to get on that some more so we can advance the main plot for me. Exactly. Absolutely. Well, I've done almost all the side quests in the main first part, the first part of the story. I've already done, except for the trying to get the lights. Uh-uh, that climb. Ugh. It stinks. Yeah, it sucks. I, after losing so much survival points, falling and falling and falling and falling, I'm like, yeah, no. But speaking of uh, Dying Light, that's one of the things that made me go back to Hardcore Henry. Because uh-huh. that one's got a lot of parkour in it, too. Oh, does it? So, yeah. Right. So, it was very much of that era. When was the last time they even, you know, parkour was a thing? It's kind of like everything was extreme in the 90s, and everything was parkour in the mid-2000s or something. The early aughts or whatever. Well, funny you mentioned that was my uh, stepson, who's just a phenomenal young man, and I uh, love him to pieces. For his birthday, we're like, what do you want to do? You know, and he's like, I want to go to Dallas, and there's one of these places where it's like, a parkour studio hmm. and we're like okay and we took him there and they have a place where you can parkour well yeah when well, i mean he's the whole thing is that but there's a place where we can sit up higher and, and watch of, and watch like we're on a really nice comfortable couch big windows and you can look down and in 
at what's going on and there's kids doing backflips into foam and it's like that big pad that people when they fall off a ledge in a movie that they fall into they've got that and the netting and the wall thing over here and the climbing wall anyway it's all that stuff and these kids are running around doing parkour and so they have literally a studio in Dallas where kids can just parkour all day until their little hearts continue. And how much do they charge you to uh, bring in a paintball gun? <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. You know, I need to recommend pop, that pop, to pop, them. Pop, pop. Yeah. I want to shoot these, you know. <laughs> I want to shoot these kids. Yeah. That's what he was about to say, folks. Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't, shoot I didn't these say kids. that. I, I, no, no. No one wants to shoot children. Not it's children. It's all in good fun. It's, it's all in good fun. It's innocent. Good, clean fun. So for video games, I promised that I would get around to reviewing these two games that I've had sitting here collecting dust for a while. Mm-hmm. Persona 5, which I'm sure Robert Vegeta is a big fan of. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never been able to get into that series. I think it was three or four that I tried to play before. It didn't click. This one didn't click. It's a fantastic game, I'm sure. It's one of those, if you love it, people love it. But I think it's one that you've got to want to play. Yeah. And I didn't want to play it kind of like monster hunter mm-hmm. you have to will yourself into that game you have mm-hmm. to give it a couple of hours so i gave it a couple of hours it just wasn't catching the smooth jazz sounds I mean, it's not an action game, at least not in the beginning. It's one of those ones where it starts off slow. Mm-hmm. So you're like, you're definitely not hooking me at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's for you. Check it out if you're interested, if you're so inclined, but it wasn't for me. Uh, you're a school kid in Japan, which some of this stuff doesn't click with old man me anymore, mm-hmm. which was also somewhat the problem with the coma recut, dun, dun, where dun. you're a school kid in Korea. Hmm. And the point of that game, it's a survival horror, mm-hmm. and the point of that game is you're trying to escape this killer in the school. Mm-hmm. But what it really is, it's a reflection of how hard uh, society is on students and how seriously testing is taken. How Mm. much of your life depends on how well you do in school and how you do on your exams and there's too much pressure. Wow. So, yeah, it was interesting from that standpoint. If you like the survival horror genre, Mm. go for it. It's a run and hide, which stealth run and hide, I... That's not me. I'm yeah. stepping up and kicking ass like the fine American I am. Yeah. That's the like the thing was when I told you, oh, boy, I get uh, The Last of Us re-edited or whatever free with my PS4. And you were like, meh. You know, because I guess it's that kind of thing where it's you're hiding, you're sneaking, you're hiding, you're sneaking. You don't stand your ground or whatever. Stand your ground. Which I got nothing against like Skyrim where everybody's a stealth archer. Yeah. Yeah. If you can be a sniper or like Fallout, I do snipers a lot. Yeah. So I'm definitely cool with it, mm-hmm. but it's when it's like sneak through this area. Yeah. And depending on how much of the game is sneaking. If it's all sneaking, you're out. All sneaking all the time. Yeah. It just gets frustrating where it's like, oh, you didn't make it through there. You didn't make it through there. Do it again. Do it again. So repetitious. Yeah. 
Like if that's the one trick of the of the thing, it's like all right, this is like have a few scenes where you have to sneak, but other times when you stand your ground. But and I will say the graphics for the coma were kind of mm-hmm. like Darkest Dungeon, mm-hmm. where it's kind of got that cardboard cartoony hmm. images like on that background yeah. where you're moving along your little figure. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. I don't have a problem with that. Hmm. But that's yeah. different. So yeah. unusual visuals, yeah. So check those out if they sound interesting to you. I won't give them a review because I didn't play them that much. They just didn't grab me. So either, you know, I'm here for an hour and you lose me or I'm going all the way. Yeah. Your your mileage may vary. Yep. So So they didn't grab me, but maybe they'll grab you. And you probably pick them up on sale pretty decently too. Yeah. Is that it? Is that time to get to the actual point of the cast now? Sure. Only 25 minutes in. Really? Yep. Wow. Okay. So hold on to your dookie. It's about to get spooky. (laughs) Here is your topic. The Halloween topic. Dun, dun, dun. Undead creatures. We can give uh, Brian M. the credit for really starting this episode off because he asked what's so cool about Death Knights. What's so cool about Death Knights? Why are they cool? And anti-paladins and whatnot. So... Go ahead. Matt's got a lot of research done on this, so I'm going to step out and have a smoke. There you go. So let me flip over to that. Let's see. Here we go. All right. So first of all, I I picked like three. And of the three, the first one, I went with one that's not probably that well-known, I would think, but it's the Bodak. And the uh, entomology is Scottish uh, Bodak. Set him up for death nights, and what does he do? Okay, go ahead. Yeah. So it's old man or churl. Well, we said undead, Halloween, whatever. Um, old man or churl, and then or from bod, which is penis, and ock, which is one who has. This is Scottish. You know, the origin, the name is taken from bodic Scottish mythical creature similar to a boogeyman. Definitely a boogeyman. He likes to boogie. So its name is translated as old penis haver. Exactly. Old, you know, in Scottish, yeah. So maybe he's not quite as frightening anymore, you know, or maybe more frightening, you know, if that's his claim to fame. Um, first appearance is in the tournament version of S4, The Lost Caverns of Zojikinth, 1976. It appeared later in the Monster Manual 2, 1983. The artwork is really, really crappy. Um, but the artwork later is really badass. Like in third edition, it looks scary. It's creepy. Originally it had a death gaze, savored eye. It's old school D and D, you know, which is pretty tough stuff. Even now in fifth edition, it's got some scary abilities like an aura of obliteration, the gaze of Orcus, the scornful glare. So, I mean, yeah, they really, I like how they spruced him up and definitely his abilities sound really, Ooh, you know? And so still that gaze of Orcus, which is the original death gaze, it's pretty tough. It's like if you fail to save, you're reduced to zero hit points. So, I mean, um, so that's the Bodak, you know, and it's typical kind of undead thing where if, it, if you die from its Orcus gaze, you rise up again as another Bodak. You know, they're chaotic evil. They're incredibly evil. Um, so there's that. But anyway, as you said, the Death Knight, also known as a Doom Knight or a Demon Knight, is a mighty warrior animated as an undead creature by the gods of death, evil deities, demon lords, or other malevolent forces. Its first appearance in a book was in the Fiend Folio. So, the original Dungeons & Dragons Fiend Folio indicates that the Death Knights are lich-like, 
A death knight's physical form is that of its decayed body. The face is a blackened skull with patches of rotting flesh, two pinpoints of orange light in the eye sockets. The voice of a death knight is chilling, seeming to echo from deep within. Death knights were powerful warriors in life, and so they often wear once opulent magical clothing and armor. They're fond of wearing flowing capes to mark them as figures of importance. In a sense, they were the original anti-paladin. They are served by skeletal warriors, liches, and banshees. So you know, like, they're pretty badass if they have liches working for them. You know, it's usually, you know, that's the top guy as a lich. And then they, so it talks about the most famous of all death knights is Lord Soth, which we've mentioned before. A disgraced knight of Salamnia from the Dragonlance and Ravenloft campaign setting. So it's somehow he's from both. Lord Soth was cursed after he murdered his wife and child and failed to prevent the cataclysm. He is attended by the skeleton warriors and of his fallen troops and a cadre of ghostly banshees. So you've got a whole squad of banshees working for you. Like, wow. The first Death Knight identified by name in a Dungeons & Dragons product was Sant Cargoth, King of the Death Knights, who first appeared in Scott Benny's Dragon article, Dragon Magazine, setting saintly standards in 1983. Korgoth appears in the World of Greyhawk campaign setting. Thirteen of Kargoth's fellows and contemporary knight protectors of the Great Kingdom join him in becoming Death Knights. All are transformed by the power of the Demon Prince Demogorgon. This comes from the D&D wiki. Um, so looking at them in like 5th edition, they're 19th level spellcasters. You know. And they have, so they have this a bunch of paladin spells, but all like necrotic dark versions. And then they originally in the early in Fiend Folio, they could cast this really powerful fireball, but they wanted to flavor it more. So in fifth edition, I'll give them props. It's called the Hellfire Orb, but it's pretty now it's like fire and necrotic damage. Pretty nasty. Um, the Fiend Folio version, it's really sad. Some people kind of there were some real throwaway creatures in the Fiend Folio, but there were some that have become iconic and are really neat. The Grell, the Grick, like I said, the Death Knight. Um, and so they'd introduce what was really a neat creature, but they really didn't spend much time talking about it. And this is something you could spend a whole page on. And there are a lot of people that complain that they didn't. Like, wow, you, one of the things you did that was really cool, you didn't really spend any time on it. But one thing I noticed when I was doing my research, looking, I pulled out all my different monster manuals and Fiendfilio. Fiendfilio version said there was a limited number, like the ring mm -hmm. race in Lord of the Rings. Exactly. And that had kind of a neat element that there's only so many of these because, I mean, they're really powerful. So, yeah. Would you expound upon that or anything to add, sir? Oh, boy. So the first time I ever heard of Death Knight was Lord Soth in the Dragonlance trilogy and in the specifically Dragons of Spring Dawning, I think is the one, the third book in the series. Mm -hmm. And to go to the question of why are Death Knights so cool, mm -hmm. they're kind of the Darth Vader of the D&D &D world there. Right so think about when you were watching Star Wars and you see him step onto the scene. That's kind of how Lord Soth steps onto the scene in the Dragonlance novels. And you really get that sense of power. Mm -hmm. This is not a person to be trifled with. Yeah. So that's one of the cool things about Death Knights. The other thing is usually they have to be extremely honorable in life. So they've got an interesting backstory. Mm -hmm. So if you're creating a Death Knight for your campaign, you're going to have to compete create that whole character mm -hmm. why is he a death knight what happened what is the horrible dark turn that his life took that this 
paragon of virtue and good has fallen this far to be the most evil, foul creature around. Fireball is always the thing that I think about, too, with Death Knights. Yeah. That you're going to get blasted, like you talked about that yeah. Death Orb. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, yeah. But it's and it's but it's but like, really, there are some interesting characters from D&D lore that were Death Knights. Um, like, obviously, there's Lord Soth. But also, there was Kaz. And the original DMG had, like, these those epic artifacts of power in the mm-hmm. back. And one of them was Kaz's sword. I mean, this thing was this incredibly powerful artifact. And so, yeah. And of course, I mean, we'll get to that later, but who did Kaz work for with and eventually betray? Yeah. Another really epic, you know, individual character from lore. Um, but yeah, but the whole thing about Lord Soth was I, I did a very condensed version of his backstory that doesn't do him justice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you read it, it, like it goes go into the detail, and I think oh I yeah, read, he's got his own specific novel that talks about his life as yeah. a human. Yeah, and so I mean, he went down a really dark path, and the stuff he did to to really uh, betray his oath and and to really be cursed with being, uh, you know, yeah, you get to live eternally, but think of the awful life you're this despicable and dead thing or whatever he was cursed by the gods because he didn't prevent the cataclysm and all this other bad stuff he did and but i'll leave it i won't go into it but you might want to but i think in fifth edition monster ironically enough they give a, a blurb about his what he did on the same page where they discuss death nights mm-hmm. and it's on the internet like dnd wiki or wikipedia but it's I mean, it's a really neat story his whole backstory and you're like whoa he did go down it go to a dark place yeah i would definitely say check out the dragon lance novels if you haven't that originally that original trilogy the uh dragons of let's see it's spring dawning and i can't remember the other ones right now yeah. but that whole initial uh, trilogy series check that out then you can go back and read some of the other stuff because Almost everybody ends up getting a novel. They just have a ton of those novels. Mm-hmm. But uh, Lord Soth was a knight in the Order of the Rose, one of the highest ones. And he ends up, he's a married man, and he runs across an elf maiden mm-hmm. that he ends up falling in love with. So we talk about our villain's motivations. Mm-hmm. Here's a villain that love was his downfall. So he ends up basically killing his wife. And then he does get a chance to... Uh, redeem himself by preventing this earth-shattering cataclysm that's going to be the you know end of the world as they know it but again he's tempted and he turns back he turns away from it mm-hmm. so that's when the whole his uh keep burns down and he becomes a death knight mm-hmm. geez hundreds of hundreds of years after that that he comes into the dragon lance story again with the, the time of the heroes or whatever in that time frame mm-hmm. after he's Involved with that, he goes off into Ravenloft. But the creators of Dragonlance, they have no ownership yeah, over their character. Yeah. But they are like, we don't want him going into Ravenloft. And they said, TSR said, we don't care. It's going to make us money. Yeah. So he's got some really good books in Ravenloft. But mm-hmm. as a Ravenloft fan, of course I'm going to say that. Yeah. So he runs, a, the first thing he does is he runs into Strahd. Mm-hmm. And him and Strahd. Uh, get to the point where they're going to have to square off and Strahd's like, I don't think so. Because mm-hmm. if nothing else, he's brilliant. Mm-hmm. He may not be the most powerful character out there, but mm-hmm. he's pretty damn smart. And he knows it's not worth his trouble to have to fight this guy. Because even if he beats him, mm-hmm. it's going to be such a loss. Mm-hmm. So he sends him off into the mist. He gets rid of him. 
and he Soth gets his own domain. Uh-huh. Then there's a book set in that, and basically he's able to just ignore the domain so long that it gets tired of him, and he gets booted back out into Dragonlance. Huh. So it's a really good story. I'd recommend you do the whole series there read his appearances in Dragonlance mm-hmm. read his solo book read the stuff in Ravenloft but it's so contractually problematic mm-hmm. that they've written it or the real story now is basically he gets returned back to the Dragonlance timeline timeline as soon as he left oh wow so all that stuff that happened in the Ravenloft the time that passes retconned or whatever yeah they move it back that he left as soon as he came in so all that's kind of like in that pocket dimension and time stood still hmm. but like you say and you're getting at earlier is he's a very rich character a oh really yeah rich backstory which is going to make any villain more interesting you know i would think 100 percent. so what else you got all right and then you know as i kind of alluded to a minute ago Kaz worked for, you know, a powerful lich. Yeah. So talking about liches, liches be crazy. But, uh-huh. um, so a lich is historically an evil humanoid spellcaster who has become undead through the use of dark magic. They cheat death by hiding their soul in an object known as a phylactery. A first appearance is Greyhawk Supplement 1, 1975. The term derives from Lich, an archaic term for a corpse. Dungeons & Dragons co-creator Gary Gygax stated that he based the description of a Lich on the short story The Sword of the Sorcerer by Garner Fox, which came out in 1969. Liches are undead wizard priests that are highly intelligent, utterly insane by human standards, and almost universally evil, though I think, ironically enough, there have been some good Liches. They are obsessed with the acquisition of power and knowledge, and immortality grants the Lich patience to see incredibly long-term plans come to fruition. Liches care little to involve themselves in the day-to-day affairs of mortals, preferring to sequester themselves in hidden layers to conduct arcane research or formulate epic plans. Most Liches forget their original names over time and are known to most only by cryptic aliases or titles, you know, Horrifying sobriquets, whatever. Famous liches in D&D are Vecna, who ascended to deity status, and that's who Kaz worked for. Kaz eventually, uh, you know, betrayed him. And, of course, if if you're that much in the lore, you've heard of the eye and hand of Vecna. Well, Kaz lopped that hand off or whatever with that bad sword he had. Um, Of course, there's Acerarach of the Tomb of Horrors fame. And then there's Asperdes, who appears in D1, Descent into the Depths of the Earth. That's one you might not have heard of. But he, as a mortal, he ruled over the territory eventually known as the Yeomanry in Greyhawk. And in death, as a lich, he continued to trouble the leaders and people of the Yeomanry, which that was who we squared off in a number of adventures in the Living Greyhawk campaign. If it wasn't the, the uh, Scarlet Brotherhood, it was Asperdes and his machinations. Um, numerous variants, including Demi-Lich, Psionic Lich, Defiler Lich, Elemental Lich, Draco Lich, you know, which, you know, hey, what's worse than a dirty dragon? Lich. Yeah, <laughs> you dirty Lich. So anyway, yeah, so I mean, that's, so I think Liches are also kind of one of those iconic undead uber villains that can be a really great, the mastermind villain or whatever, or part of an interesting story, an interesting story arc is the person behind the scenes pulling the strings and causing mischief or whatever. And again, 
if they've got a really rich backstory. This guy was a powerful wizard and or priest before becoming a lich. What's the whole, what's the backstory there? What's, you know, what was their motivation to decide to become this awful abomination or whatever? Well, if you talk about one of my favorite liches, my buddy Aslan, mm-hmm. once again from the Ravenloft right. uh, books, his motivation was that he was scared of death. He was scared of what was going to catch up with him at the end of his life. Mm-hmm. So if you don't want to deal with an afterlife, you find a way. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> you know, instead of going to the nine hells or something, I think I'll just be in an undead corpse. And he loved magic. Mm-hmm. That's all he cared about. All he wanted to do was be able to study and research more magic. Mm-hmm. So yeah. being the trapped in that world. undead body was not so bad for him. Yeah. And then he goes into Ravenloft and runs into Strahd. Oops. And then Strahd has to send him off into the mist. Ah. He gets rid of people. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he gets rid of these troublemakers. That's right. Because I don't know exactly if he'd want to square off with a Death Knight or a Lich. Right. But part of Strahd's backstory is that Aslan taught him a lot of magic. Hmm. So when you're one of these undead creatures, you have a lot of time for self-improvement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is true. And when you come to Ravenloft, you get your own special curse. So his curse is that he can never, ever, ever learn any new magic. Ugh. Yeah. That was the whole point. Yep. That's all he really wanted was to be able to all the time in the world to read these books. Uh-huh. And now he can't. He can't eat even the simplest cantrip. If it's new to him, he cannot learn it. Wow. But these are people that, you know, you, it, it's it's hard to feel sympathetic for him. These are, these are bad people. Oh, <laughs> yeah. He had his own son executed after yeah. he rebelled against his rule. So, I mean, yeah. These are the... Evil, most evil of the evil. Mm-hmm. And even if you're talking about ending up in Ravenloft, just think you've got to be the cream of the crop evil. They don't pull every lich in or every vampire in or every death knight in. Mm-hmm. So they're the one percenters. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, these are, you know, the, the Vodai was kind of a wild card. But for me, I've always been kind of like, like oh crap, you know, the Vodak was just, I know in, in third edition, if it's like, oh, it's a Bodak, oh crap. I mean, just death, look you in the eye, boom, you're dead. And the artwork is really cool. But they, that's one that's still, they're interesting. There's a story I think it originally for them was like they're people that, like mortals that somehow end up wandering, oh, what was it? One of the elemental, one of the, the other planes of existence where really mortals shouldn't be wandering around and they would get corrupted by the, negative energies there or something like that or whatever. And then there's different lore through the years and different versions, but the Bodak's kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, definitely death knights and liches. Those are just really neat. And there's a lot of ones we've conjured up their names that are really iconic and interesting and they'd make for great villains, you know? Well, you know, I can't let it go because we've already mentioned Strahd so many times Yeah, that vampires are a great, I don't want to say they're forgotten, but I think now they've become somewhat underappreciated if they're not glittery yeah so i think that's one of the things is as zombies have taken the spotlight zombies or vampires have fallen and those two kind of go back and forth mm-hmm. you get your zombie period then you get your vampire period then mm-hmm. zombies and so forth and so on so just keep that in mind that you've still got your vampires out there so give them a good backstory i think with the vampire spawn now in fifth edition. Some of it's gotten a little bit cheaper. It's not as ooh la la to run across a mm. vampire in particular. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like running across that uh, juvenile dragon or somewhere. It's like mm-hmm. okay, it's a dragon, but it's the weak form of it. Yeah, but no. Once again, old school D and D vampires were tough. 
and then I mean already just the base variant was like whoa this is trouble and then sometimes you'd run across some that they had like wizard levels and you're like Ugh, uh. which if they've got all this time to just hang around because uh, Strahd was originally a warrior mm-hmm. but he had years and years and years so that's one of the things he developed was he became a spellcaster as well mm-hmm. so I think and you may be able to correct me here that vampires weren't exactly their own thing in third edition that vampires a were a template. template yep there was a lot of templating in third edition so that's something that you can still do now you can have a vampire wizard or this or that you mm-hmm. can put the vampiric on it mm-hmm. uh, I was looking at some of the Ravenloft stuff and there was every kind of vampire mm-hmm. for example let me ask you how much you'd like to run across the uh, vampire mind flare yeah or mind flare lich so yeah. there's a lot of ways that you can template this stuff and make it scary again to your players. Mm-hmm. Like even an orc running through the woods. Well, if it's a vampiric orc, wow. that just got sexy again. Yeah. Oh, I think oh, that gives me ideas right there, man. Yep. So yeah. keep in mind the template concept. One other thing that I've seen too is there was a module that we were running. I think it was under the keep. It was a fifth edition fantasy from Goodman Games. Anyway, one of the things that it had in it that everybody really, really enjoyed was the, uh, what was it, a ghoul sturge? So you take the ghoul ability, which is paralyzed. Yeah, paralysis. And then you take those little bat-like birds, the sturges, Mm -hmm. and just have them pop people. And people don't like sturges to begin with because there's enough little ones that they add up. When you put on it that they can paralyze you, that just cranks that fear factor up to 11. So you could do the same thing with that. You could have several orcs tromping through the woods, and the party's like, oh, we're going to smoke these guys. Mm-hmm. Well, as soon as the first person gets touched and is paralyzed, mm-hmm. and then the next person starts getting chewed on, mm-hmm. it becomes serious again. Oh, yeah. I remember in, in 3.5, they'd introduced, again, talking about templates, the spell stitch template, and it was something that could be stitched onto an undead or they're added under the template. So I remember there were whites that are already scary enough and then they were spell stitched whites. So all of a sudden, like they're hitting you with a number of nasty spells and things. And you're like, crap on top of if they get close and touch you, you know, level draining and all that kind of crap. Oh, it was like, yeah, everyone loves level drain. Oh yeah. That's don't miss that at all. That of all the things that I that I'm like, you know, I kind of miss poison being dangerous and scary, or this being dangerous and scary. That's one thing that we quickly found a way to change how that worked because we just thought it was kind of ridiculous that of all the ways, like your life energy is being drained away. Yeah, but my memories of how to fight as a good warrior or cast spells I, that doesn't. No, you know, just either drain hit points and or con or whatever, you know. And they luckily moved away. I think they knew moved away from it. All right. You got anything else you want to tell them on this wonderful Halloween Eve, Eve, Eve? Yeah. <laughs> well, just everybody, you know, be safe and, and thanks for listening. Really appreciate y'all. And uh, yeah, happy Halloween. Yeah. And now that I can see that the vampires flown in and we've been drained of our uh, experience levels right down to a zero, zero level character. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.